Well, good morning um, again, and good morning to those that are at home. Um, There's so many at the moment. I'm so grateful for technology that enables um, us to join together as a community. And even this morning, just looking at those faces on the screen, just reminded me of how... Um, yeah, just how wide our community is. We might not be able to gather um, all together at the moment, these are uncertain times, but we are still together. Um, so we really welcome you online and hope that you feel as much a part of it today as those in the building. Now, we started last week in Matthew's Gospel. We've returned there again. Um, And every spring we come back to a Gospel and we're in Matthew's. And we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, Jez kicked us off by looking at Jesus and uh, looking at the word disciple to mean to learn, um, to begin to help us think about who we are learning from. And I mentioned influencers. And I don't know if we've got a slide or something. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, So here he is, the top influencer, um, Ronaldo. And I learned that he gets paid $1.6 million million for every post he makes that is an endorsement of a product. Um, Because, you know, the idea is if you're following him, you want to be like him, you want to do the things he does, and therefore if he promotes a particular brand of trainer, then you guys are all going to rush out and buy it. (laughs) Now... We too, I want to think about, are called to be influencers. And it's certainly not in the way Ronaldo is called to be an influencer. Uh, Our influence is there. We are called to influence the world that we're in, the people we're around, but certainly not for our own gain. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. We want to be influencing others for good to make the environment that they're in a better place and to point all the glory and all the honor to Jesus. A really good example of this, um, and here's up the National uh, Nobel Peace Prize, of course, Desmond Tutu, who passed away recently. A great example of somebody working to bring peace, to be a peacemaker Um, chairing those peace and reconciliation meetings uh, that he often broke down in, in tears. And yes, um, he was so well known for his human rights activism. And he did that in a very peaceful way. He didn't want uh, any violence, but he expressed that uh, beatitude of being meekness. Meek, not weak, we say. It means a, a solid determination to, to bring about change, but not by violence, not by pushiness, but just trusting the Lord. And there was immense love for this man. The Archbishop of Canterbury said of Desmond Tutu that the most thing that he'd received about him was these words that when there was darkness, he brought light. When there was darkness, he brought light. And not all of us will be called to be a Desmond Tutu, bringing that sort of light. But we are all, as Jesus says in the sermon... He says, we are light. We are the light of the world. We are to be salt and light wherever we find ourselves. 
And here in the city, we see the whole church, including ourselves, joining together to bring salt and light out on the streets, in the street pastors, there in the homeless shelters, there in the food banks serving those experiencing food poverty, being there and making a difference. And as we listen to Jesus' words over the next few weeks... Like Jez, I'm going to be encouraging us to read those words again and again and again. We can sometimes look at the the Sermon on the Mount and think, oh, well, I know what that says. Even if you don't know much about the Bible, you might uh, know something like turn the other cheek. But I don't want us to just sit with, I know what it says but to really be sitting at Jesus' feet and saying, I want to learn what this means for me. Because that's a really different attitude, isn't it? To, I want to learn about the Sermon on the Mount. To, I want to learn the sermon. I want to learn from you, Jesus. And throughout the centuries, um, people have tried to um, understand what it means to put these words into practice, to be the light in the world. And Augustine was the first guy he came up with. This, he called it the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but during that time, uh, the Sermon on the Mount became very much legalism. It became about laws that you had to achieve. And there were sort of some that were good, easy to do, that the novice Christian could start off on. And then they got to the, you know, the very hard ones that only the best of Christians could get to. And I guess as a reaction to this, some people say, you know, they're not meant to be laws. We're not meant to worry about them. They're something of the past. Another reaction to Jesus' teaching is that these laws are impossible to to keep if you stay in normal, the normal society. If you're in the real world, then you can't keep them. And this has led to things like withdrawing into monastic communities or, or more recently, withdrawing just into communities that sort of shut themselves off from the world. And the people who've done that have sort of either thought of themselves as spiritually more uh, kind of better than others, or they've looked at those staying in the world and said, you know, to stay in the world is to compromise what Jesus says. You're watering it down, or you're living um, a completely double life. So we need to think, well, how do we read these words that uh, perhaps at some times can feel impossible in um, modern-day kind of evangelical thinking, we think very much in terms of the now and the not yet, a progression of where we're going to see Jesus' kingdom come, and we are in the now. But in the now, what do we do with Jesus' words? How do we put it into practice in the real world? And I want us to be thinking about that over the next few weeks. Now, these first 12 Uh, verses are called the beatitude they start with blessed 
What does it mean to be blessed, people might say. We might go on and we might see someone on Facebook or on Twitter or something, and they might say, hashtag blessed, you know. And they've got this picture of their beautiful family, or they've a sporting career, they've made it, they've got an endorsement, or they've made it into a team, hashtag blessed. Or, you know, so we see all these things, and blessed being associated with achievements or our situation that we find ourselves in or financial gain. I, as I'm looking at it, I thought it's often associated with hashtag grateful. And I think that is a good thing, isn't it? To be grateful to God, to say to him, I want to thank you, God. All good things come from you. But is it blessed? In Jesus' time, health and wealth and prosperity and um, influence were also seen as blessed. They were seen as God's blessing on you. And so you could get this uh, image that um, if you were doing well, that you were blessed by God. But if you weren't, you weren't blessed probably because you were doing something sinful, And we still see that because I think as human beings, we have a natural tendency to go to this sort of sense of, I deserve what I have. I deserve it. Um, I remember speaking to a Buddhist once, and he he was talking about reincarnation. And um, he was saying, yes, I have been born into a wealthy family because I did something good in the previous life. He felt very much that he deserved his wealth and that the poor deserved what they got. Can you see? So across belief systems, we, we have a tendency to go there. But what about blessed for us? If we um, think about those who are not blessed then, would we say the not blessed are those who lost their job in COVID, but the blessed are those that benefited from COVID, that got the contracts? Of course we're not going to say that, are we? Are we going to say the unblessed were those that struggle now with long COVID, but the blessed are those that seem to be completely immune? Can you see how the craziness of that is taking place? And this might be why the psalmists often said they rest themselves, like in Psalm 73, with why do the evil just seem to succeed? Why does it seem so unfair at times? What is going wrong? Being blessed just cannot mean that it's linked to our where we're born in the world. Being blessed cannot be how intelligent we are in our current society, how useful we are. Being blessed can't be about physical strength or mental health, how much money you were born with. So what does being blessed mean. And I'm going to give you a minute to just think, what does being blessed mean? You can tell the person next to you. If you're at home, you can tell the person on your couch with you. Or you can just sit quietly for for a minute. I'm going to watch the clock and give you a minute. Okay, there's your minute. Well, in the Bible, there is no hint, really, 
There is not much about prosperity or perfect circumstances in the New Testament references. On the contrary, blessing is typically connected with either poverty, trial, or spiritual benefits of being joined with Jesus through faith. And Jesus launches his teaching here with blessed are the poor or blessed are the poor in spirit. He seems to be launching with blessed are those that society thinks are unblessed. It's not exclusive to them, but it is inclusive. Jesus' words are good news for all. They all go, blessed are the, for they will. There is hope in Jesus' words. The king has come, as we heard last week, and the kingdom is being established. And these words stand alongside. You remember when Jesus stood in the temple and he unrolled the scroll from Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to what? Proclaim good news to the poor, the prisoner, the oppressed, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. So when we come to these words, how do we interpret them? Because some have written whole books on how we become more poor in spirits or how we, um, how we will lament more, things like this. How do we do that? Because if these words become rules and regulations, and that is not really, I think, what Jesus was after. We don't want to aspire to be more poor or more miserable. Although uh, many monastic orders in the past have gone for that. In fact, banning joy, any joyful activities as being sinful. But the kingdom of God and blessings that come are available to those who find themselves poor or lamenting. They are there for all. And those who find themselves blessed by God will find themselves lamenting and realize that they are poor. It's like a cycle. It is both for those in need and those to realize that they are in need. If we come to Christ and we're blessed, how can we not lament the situation that others find themselves in in the world? How can we not weep next to our brothers and sisters who are struggling? Because if we don't, then we're not loving them. But in the lamenting, there is always hope, good news. And that's what Jesus is. When he comes, he brings good news. Those who live in our world with injustice find hope in Jesus' words that he is He is justice. He will one day bring justice. He will bring all things to a close and establish his kingdom here on earth. But those that are blessed here on earth, how can we not care about justice when Jesus' kingdom is about justice? 
those who live in that state of guilt, thinking, I cannot ever be forgiven from this, can find mercy in Jesus. And how can we who found mercy in Jesus not offer mercy to others? Love and forgiveness to our enemies. And it's not new concepts. We find them in the Old Testament. To love mercy, to walk humbly, to do justice. In the book of Jonah, we see him struggling with the fact that God would love his enemy. Not new, but maybe clearer. And they are hard, impossible. To forgive someone that's hurt us or someone we love is so hard. It is hard work. These are not about work. Jesus is offering us blessings to enable us to do these things. When uh, Desmond Tutu, when he witnessed things and he broke down, he showed something of a heart transformed by the love of Christ. It showed authenticity of emotions that he could weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. A new heart, a softened heart, is often a messy heart. And when people come to church sometimes, they say, I'm re-, I, they're leaving and they say, Lou, I'm really sorry, I just couldn't stop crying today. And I'm able to say, we all cry in church because it's when we're honest, when we encounter, and that's what we're doing today, when we encounter the Spirit, there's a brutal honesty where we're able to let down our guards and say, Jesus, I need you. And we can weep together in those moments. The promise of Ezekiel that said, I'll give you a new heart And a new spirit in you came from Jesus. John said, I'll baptize with water. But there is one coming who'll baptize with the spirit. And he'll give you a new heart. And a new heart is a soft heart. It's not a hard heart anymore. It's a soft heart. And throughout the New Testament, we see these lights being sent into the world. Uh, Paul calls them ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives. When we look at these teachings over the next few weeks, we might be tempted to say, oh, Jesus, I'm rubbish. I could never do that. I can't do your teaching. As so many people have looked at it in the past and gone, well, what can I do about that? But Jesus sends his spirit, the blessing of his presence. He is transforming us. We are the new creations, part of his new creation, citizens of the kingdom of heaven that will one day join with earth. And we're trapped, aren't we, between the now and the not yet. We know we're not perfect, but we can read these words with hope. Because this is what is coming. This is who we will be and are becoming. And we can just say simply, Jesus, I need more of you. I want to be a light in my community, in my family, in my workplace. I want to be an ambassador for you. I cannot do it, but you 
can. So let's just finish um, by thinking. Um, we'll have the, the reading again about the blessed are. But before we do that, I just want to say um, I heard, you know, sometimes we can stress about how we want to be like Jesus. We can tie ourselves in knots and we can feel so down on ourselves. And someone described it like this, that you might be a pear tree. Okay, just, I think we've got a slide on that. And you really want to produce an apple. And you might be working so hard. I want to be an apple. I'm going to do this. I'm going to think about apples every day. I'm going to drink apple juice every day. And you will never produce an apple because you're a pear. What you need is the transforming power of Jesus. He says in Corinthians, Corinthians it says, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And when you're transformed from being a pear to an apple, producing an apple is no longer a stress. You will produce an apple. So Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me. When we are in him, more of him, more of his spirit, more of his power, we produce the fruit. And it's not of our own effort so that none can boast. It is the grace of God through Jesus Christ and his transforming power. So keep reading and there's more next week. But I'll leave you with the reading again. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Well, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness... How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.